Hello, I'm Majid Bouguera. You are listening to This is iBrox, the Rangers podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of This is iBrox, the Rangers podcast. My name is Martin Douglas and tonight I'm joined by Scott Patterson, Tommy McIntyre and Wally Boyd. How are you doing? Hey Martin, welcome back. Evening, James. Welcome back, Martin. How are you doing, doing, guys? Welcome back, Martin. It's the most level of welcome back, I think, (laughs) ever. (laughs) <laughs> Let's start this pod how we mean to go on, gentlemen. Oh, I, feel, I feel so welcome. I feel so welcome. Um, I you are the before... new broadcaster to, uh, to this group, to be honest with you. I've been called many things, Tommy. I'm going to let some uh, trade secrets uh, kind of be released, but you only really miss them last week, so I'm going to know why. Oh, straight no. in there with a the dagger. Wow. Listen, I listened to last week's show. I listened to last week's show. No, Tommy. I meant I meant because we we done some trickery around the uh, cameras being like editing them out. No, I'm a digging. Well, what you've essentially just said there is Martin's Martin's input could be replaced by a graphic. That's essentially what you've just said. <laughs> I'm trying. Um... <laughs> oh, God. oh fuck! How's your uh, how's your script holding up now, Martin? Um... <laughs> <laughs> the points that you wanted to touch on. <laughs> oh. um, right, can we start now, Jake? Are you ready to start or do you want to continue this hilarity? Business first. Business. <laughs> Business <laughs> Now, we are running a wee giveaway on, uh, on all uh, social media platforms on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and it's for a lovely Kastov jacket. Well, do you want to give people listening and watching the details? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've been given a wee hoodie. Well, not yet, but it'll be to whoever the winner is across all three platforms. Um, well, there'll be one winner out of the three platforms over Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. All you have to do is go into either one, go into all three if you want, and uh, follow the kind of description on the This Is iBrooks uh, webpage to yeah. enter the competition. I was also going to give you some credit this week, lads, but for the info that you've given me, I think I'll just gloss right over it. Um, but I thought we would actually pick up on a few interviews that you've done recently. And I'll start with you, Tommy. You recently interviewed uh, Mark Warburton. And for anybody who hasn't watched or listened, I would advise you to go and, and check it out. Because, Tommy, it was a really good and insightful interview. Thank you very much, uh, Martin. That seems to be the, the general feedback as well. And all the credit needs to go to, to Mark himself. Uh, I thought he approached the interview really open, no filter, which is so rare these days, uh, sometimes with, when you're dealing with football people. And uh, it's quite clear on listening to it, he answers some really challenging questions, I, I thought, but it's quite clear that his affection for the club is completely undiminished. Um, he still holds you know, Wayne's close to his heart. So, yeah, I would really recommend anybody who's interested in Mark Warburton and Rangers and that relationship to, to go back and give a listen and let us know what they think. Well, I thought it was really good, but well, until the intro, I'm going to say Mark Warburton is great, Tommy, but you really need to buck up your ideas. <laughs> but Wally, you, yeah. you, sat down, you sat down with the co-founder of Castor and got a wee bit of insight into the deal. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I thought he came across really well. I don't know about you guys. I thought he can answer all the questions really well. He didn't really dance around any of the answers. Uh, and I think we've also planted to see a, a Castor Cup for a, for a pre-season tournament. Uh, it was a good interview. I thought the questions could have been uh, asked a wee bit better, well, you know. But uh, 
Fuck well. <laughs> William, William, don't let him believe you on this podcast. <laughs> you stand up for yourself, son. And Scott, you've got a, a, a phenomenon of you actually coming out tomorrow. Tell us about that. Yeah, so earlier on the week, I was lucky enough to catch up with Ian Durant, um, which on a personal level was, was huge for me. I was a huge fan of Durant's as, as I was, was growing up. Um, I was a wee bit awestruck as, as it began. Hopefully that's um, not obvious as, as we listen to that when it's released on Friday night. He was really, really, um, he was a great guest, an absolutely wonderful guest, spoke about all the obvious things. Um, his relationship with guys like McCoyst, Cooper, um, he spoke a lot about Paul Gascoigne. He spoke, covered every obvious base. Um, was quite frank about his period out of the game, um, how it felt when he returned um, to walking out to a, a reserve game at Ibrox in front of thirty thousand people. Um, he was good enough to to cover bits and pieces towards the end of his career when he left to go to Kilmarnock, and then the coaching side that that um, Julie commenced after that. Uh, it, it really was a it was a, a surreal hour and a half for me, but it was so, so enjoyable. I hope anyone who catches it on Friday night really enjoys it. I felt exactly the same when I interviewed the greatest ever left back to play for Rangers when I interviewed David Robertson. Um, <laughs> you disagree with that there, Tommy? You know, sometimes you can only you can only try and help people so much, man. And I, I feel that I've invested enough time in you already on this particular <laughs> point. Listeners, watchers, it's always going to be Arthur Newman. And I would appreciate if uh, if you get the chance, please tweet, email, post um, Martin any any points you want to about the, the, the benefits of Arthur Newman over David Robson, who I am not slated in any way, shape or form. And actually, to go full circle here, if you're on and you're looking for other interviews, Martin, you had a fantastic one with David Robertson uh, way back at the very beginning of this Cybrox, actually. Yeah, the one I'd done with David was brilliant, and I think that actually showed you guys how to do it. Um, <laughs> I think it was really good that way. But no, David's absolutely brilliant. Um, he was my hero, a bit like Scott with, with Ian Durant. He was my hero growing up, and just being able to speak to him was, was phenomenal for me. I can't remember asking him any questions. It was one of the ones, as soon as the interview was done, I couldn't believe I had done it. Yeah. But for for all these interviews and the podcasts, they're all available on whatever you well whatever you get your podcasts. But they're also now available on YouTube. Um, when we first started, the podcast was just pure audio, but now we're moving into video and some of the interviews are in video as well. So if you go over to YouTube and you watch them, please hit the like button, please subscribe, just to help the channel grow. But gentlemen, we shall move on because we've got a lot to talk about tonight. And I thought I would I would start well with the Castor deal, William. Um, it's is it a complete benefit that we are the only football club that Castor are involved in because the numbers that they're talking about as well are really high. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he, he said that in the interview with me as well. He didn't want to kind of stretch the company too much too soon. And uh, I think it's a kind of wise move as well. And it, it kind of we're going to be their sole focus, you know, through through the deal, the early d- uh, stages of their deal anyway, and their, their involvement in the football. So I think it might be. I can't mind if he said it, but I think he said something about uh, maybe sponsoring a Premier League team uh, in the upcoming season. Uh, or I'm not sure if he maybe meant the next again season, but I think it's, it's going to benefit us, definitely. Not just that as well, Scott. He also talked about investment in the Rangers Megastore at Ibrox as well. 
Yeah, and I mean, how exciting is that? We we spoke about this before on the on the podcast about sort of when you're going back and forward to Ibrox, and if you're you're desperate to go go where go and get a top, um, you're just not going to get it at Ibrox. Simple as that, and it's been like that for way, way, way too long for them to talk about the the investment and the money they're going to shell out to make that store um, more, far more than what it is just now, um, is something that the, the club I think should be really, really excited about. So um, it'll be good to to sort of to buy your stuff at Ibrox now, um, as opposed to perhaps maybe online or however you've you've managed to get your hands on it previously, whether it's trips to Turkey or whatever. <laughs> um, I think ultimately to know that you can go to the game on a Saturday afternoon dink into the mega store and, and pick up whatever you want without fear of where the money's going in the first instance is is huge for us as a supporter base. And, and Tommy, we were kind enough to be granted an interview by Christo, um, but he's also he's also had interviews with most of the other Rangers fan led media. Um and and I, I think it's fair to say that he's he's talking the talk anyway. Yeah, and, and there's a couple of different you know strands there that, that William, yourself and, and Scott have touched on. And it certainly comes out in William's interview uh, with Tom Benihan uh, of Castor of, of as well. Um, How do you pronounce it? I'm not going to do that again. I practice it <laughs> I'm not going to do that again. Um, I think it's pronounced Tom. And uh, that's, that's about as much as you're getting. Um, so, 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 yeah, I mean, it's the, the, the way they went around about the... The announcement of the deal with you know Rangers and Castor being in conjunction with fans media was, was fantastic. I think every fan really enjoyed that. We certainly were you know, uh, lucky to be to be part of that as well. Uh, and our thanks go to Castor and, and the club. And then the the passion and putting Rangers as the brand centre of the Castor world really came across in Williams' interview as well. It's it's a really significant move for Castor in that it's the biggest deal that they've signed and. Uh, Scott touched on the, I think it's a quarter of a million, uh, quarter million pounds investment into the megastore. There'll be other things that Castor will be doing in the background. They're looking at a whole host of it. And the next thing we look at is the actual productions of the kits, which I don't think anybody can be, uh, can be anything but other than excited about. So, yeah, fantastic deployment of the message. And it was great for fans to be at the, the forefront of that um, as well. Brilliant. And I'll just come back to you quickly, Scott, as well, as I think you're the oldest here. Um, you, <laughs> you, you get to a certain point where, aye, it's nice to have a really nice strip, but you're not really that fussed. You just want, obviously, to go and watch Rangers on a Saturday. Um, but is there, will there be quite a lot of, of people wanting to see what these, these strips are going to be like? Because we've heard a lot about Castor and we've heard that a lot of the stuff is high-end stuff that's quite expensive. Um, yep. But I believe he's, he's, he's come out today or, or the other day and said that the strips will be reasonably priced as well. So is there going to be a lot of people wondering what the design of these strips is going to be like and it's going to be completely different to the norm? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's that time of year, isn't it, when, when you would usually expect to see new strips um, designed and, and modelled and all the good stuff that goes alongside that. So um, everyone's keen to know what, what they're going to be playing in next season. Um, I just hope that um, we get a really, really nice kit. I, I, the question you led to Willie was with, with them only being sort of only having Rangers, if you like, as, the, as their main football client. Um, I think it's really exciting for Rangers and Scottish football. I don't think there's ever been a time where a Scottish football club has had such exclusivity um, with, with a, a kit supplier and, and manufacturer. 
um, if their strips come up to the, the same sort of standard as what their talk's been thus far, um, then I think the supporters will be very, very pleased indeed. And Wally, just finally, um, third strip colour. Uh, I think uh, four lads had that today, went it in the blog, um, possibly orange. <laughs> right, we'll move on for there, gents. Um, I actually want to just touch on something really quickly that isn't Rangers related, but it is football related, and that is that the Bundesliga has returned. Um, Tommy, in your opinion, was it the right decision? Is there a right and wrong decision here? Oh, that's a that's a wide ranging one. Obviously, the you know without getting too technical about it, the German government and the Chancellor's office, uh, the Chancellor being Angela Merkel, obviously, cycled uh, through the same sort of scientific data that the UK went through, and then came to the decision making process that for a whole host of reasons they could return the the, the Bundesliga. And uh, my pronunciation is on point uh, this evening. I'm going to run over that one again, the Bundesliga. And uh, <laughs> I've obviously got my teeth in uh, this week. And made a decision that they could go back with certain restrictions, you know, no crowds, obviously no fans, which was still a big loss. I don't know if anybody else watched it and can touch on that, but it is, it's really noticeable. And then the celebrations had to be, you know, elbow touching and, and this type of thing as well. Uh, you know, I watched a, a tiny little bit of it. I think it was at the, is it the, uh, the Schalke, um, Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund game, um, with uh, Haaland doing, you know, what he did pre-COVID, doing it post-COVID as well, um, which is just banging them in. Uh, Dortmund's still an exciting team to watch. Schalke, all sorts of problems at the back. Probably need to sort that as soon as possible. Um, yeah, it, it was good to have it back, but really strange with there being no fans. Really, really strange. Did you watch it, Scott? I did. It was good to see Ali Maxwell still playing for Schalke, wasn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> listen, it, it, it was really, really bizarre. I, 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 it was great to get a game on the telly, I think, in the first instance. I mean, it really was. It was great to see live football. Um, but for there to be no one there, I felt, was, was particularly strange. And even at the end, when um, Dortmund were doing their standard celebration with their fans and they're kind of lining up, and that they're being very, very careful not to go too close to each other, but they still want to, to sort of do it as if it was the, the normal way of things. Um, yep, strange. Must have been strange for the guys playing in it as well, but goodness me, it's good to see football back, isn't it? So in your opinion then, Scott, how did the player performance look? How did they look fitness-wise and stuff? From what I saw, um, I thought they looked quite on it, to be honest with you. I, I was quite impressed. Dortmund are a Technically, an excellent football side. Anyway, um, but I felt they looked quite at it. Um, how long it's taken them to get to a, a, a match fitness or a standard that they're pleased with, I've, I've no idea. But um, I thought they looked quite handy, to be honest. Yeah, if you um, took away the, the the glossy strips and the multi-million pound players on the pitch, and kept the empty stands, and then maybe put a, a dog doing the toilet. And the corner flag, that could essentially be Rugby Park or, <laughs> you know, Hamilton or Livingston or something like that come 2021. Uh, well, have you got any thoughts on it? Because I know that you watched every minute of it. Well, I was saying I, I didn't watch anything yet off air, <laughs> but I've just remembered that I did. I watched about 10 minutes of the Frankfurt, Borussia Mönchengladbach game, and I think they were Excellent pronunciation there, by the way. I love that. Excellent. I you got what it is, but... I think they scored in 39 settings, and aye, it, was, it was hard to watch, to be honest. No so, if it, was, if it was the case then that 
but and we're just about to touch on the league being ended. If it was a case that the option was there for us to restart the league and play it behind closed doors, then Tommy, you were mentioning about the atmosphere of no fans. Would you have been okay with that happening? Well, I think that would have been the right, the, the right sporting integrity step <laughs> to take. Um, and we've got precedent in Scotland to be able to play you know, nine games in 22 days or anything like that. But um, maybe that's only certain clubs that are asked to, to do that type of thing. But yeah, I mean, there are two separate things. Finishing your league normally instead of declaring a winner, as opposed to you know having um, and doing that behind closed doors is one question, or just not doing it at all and being out of step with the rest of Europe and UEFA is another. I think we all know now where the SPFL landed, which was we want to press the button now, call the votes in, so to speak, and uh, what Stephen Gerrard, and, and get this rushed through because we've got a Sky deal and we need them to sponsor the league as well because it turns out we've got a £10 million vote. Um, in that in that boat that's coming in. So, yeah, being out of kilter with the rest of Europe doesn't seem to be a problem to the FPFL board, so we don't get the opportunity to finish this league um, with no fans behind closed doors. Although, funnily enough, it does sound like the league was finished behind closed doors, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> we don't get the chance to finish the league, but we might get the chance to finish the Cups. But, uh, so let's come on to it then, Wally. Um, SPFL met on... Was it Monday there, or the Monday previous? I'm losing track of these gentlemen, and my research is phenomenal. But they met on a Monday, and they decided that that was a league finished, Celtic champions, Hearts relegated. I don't think it really surprised too many people, but I think I was saying last week how I thought maybe the league was going to restart, just when I noticed kind of clubs or uh, leagues are in a U- Europe uh, were um, kind of restarting and planning and restarting, I think, just about everywhere is now opening up, trying to play football behind closed doors. Um, but just something I want to touch on as well is, I'm thinking about next season and how we couldn't finish this season because they didn't want us playing behind closed doors, blah, blah, blah. Next season's probably going to need to be the same, but the Premier League's taking kind of measures or being told to test players, which will probably cost a lot of money. Uh, was it two or three times a week? It's like 700, 800 odd tests they need to do a week or a month or something along those lines. But I don't think the SPFL will try and pay that. And they're saying that this could last for six to 12 months. And if that's the case, you know, we might not even see next season. Well, we, we, we don't know what's going to happen next season. But Scott, with regards to the end of this season, um, I know Hearts are going to try and launch legal action. Um, but like I say, I'm still out working six days a week. I'm still out driving and my run just happens to take me past a certain football stadium. And I have never seen so many people out celebrating a league that was handed to them. Just clowns, absolute clowns. I mean, we, we, we've all seen the footage over the over the weekend of, um, there was two of them who, who cycled out of their way to, to go and, I think one of them has actually peed on the gates. That I brought up to um, Shocking, just Idiotic behaviour, absolutely idiotic behaviour, and there's, there's no excuse for it. I mean, you, we know, my wife and I know people who have, have lost people due to this COVID, and they've not been able to attend things like funerals. Do you know what I mean? So they've not been able to go and say cheerio to all intents and purposes to a loved one. Just haven't been able to do it. And that shower are, are giving it big licks, as you say, on a league that they were handed didn't win the league. Now we said we've said this previously, and I, I stress it again. There's a huge, huge difference to winning a league 
and being given a league. And Celtic did not win the league this year. It's as simple as that. And we'll, we'll come back to that in a wee sec, but Tommy, I want to come to you because I know you're excited to talk about it. Um, as I we know, that's always a dire warning before you ask me to do As we know, Hearts have been relegated and they're talking about legal action. Now, Neil Doncaster today was on Sky Sports News and Tommy Joyter on his through what he said. Give me the long version or give me the short version. The long uh, version, that. please. It's more fun. Right, okay. Well, uh, Neil and all his usual tactfulness as being, um, you know, uh, someone representing a member's organisation for the members, was talking about um, the decision to end the league and to give the league to, you know, the, pair, the, the club that were top at that particular point in time through whatever, you know, points per game fashion was was agreed and relegate Hearts as well. And speaking particularly about that element when he was talking about Anne Burge and the potential for Hearts to take legal action, he was fairly open and stressing. And this has been a narrative that the SPFL have had since the very beginning and cycled through all the different resolutions, etc. He was saying, you know, although um, hearts, they, hearts are, are one of 42 member clubs within the league, each club and the board of each club has a, you know, a right to do what's right for their club. But, and this is the, the but that gets stressed all the time, you know, any action that's taken, and I'm, I'm quoting directly here from Neil's words, so I'm being very careful not to take them out of context. But any action that's taken by any member against the league, right, so we're, we're taken away from you know, SPFL, we've come the league now, ultimately is taken against the members as a whole. You know, we don't hold reserves year to year. So we're flagged up that it's a members organization there. We've hit that point. You know, only doing this to, you know, cut your nose off to spite your face. We don't have any of this money, right? And we're back to that argument about, you know, not being able to pay for things and getting money out to clubs as soon as possible. So any action that any one individual club takes, effectively the burden of that would fall on all the other, other members. It does not take a brain of Britain to see exactly what that narrative that runs through that there is. It was the same when Rangers Hearts from our put forward the, the resolution as well, which is, you could do this, guys. And we'd be, we wouldn't mind, right? If it might be the right thing to do, but it's going to cost a lot of shekels. It's going to, it's going to cost a lot of shekels. And do we have that right now? Do you know what? We're probably better just, we hear you and we will take your, what your message to heart and the SPFL board will take off whatever bloody hat they happen to be wearing at that point and learn a lesson. But ultimately, let's all move on to the good of the Scottish game because nobody wants to see anything here. It's the independent investigation argument all over again in a slightly different wrapper. That's the, that's the long answer. See, um, did the club not release a statement saying um, that they would like to kind of come over it again at a later date just because of the situation we're in there now? Do you mean but the reconstruction? I, I, I don't know what I, I'm kind of trying to remember the statement, but I just remember them coming out and saying how they would like to. Um, I thought it was maybe the investigation they were talking about. Maybe come back and take a look at that again. I may have been wrong. It might have been the construction. But then to me, like they, they're trusting, you know, everybody with the kind of, I don't know, the people in charge there now that's kind of leading us through a, a global pandemic. Not yeah, very so well. If I can take that, that question there, I'm, I'm not aware of anybody. Um, and I could be wrong here, William, uh, but I'm not aware of anybody saying they would want to re uh, revisit the investigation point. I think that resolution's been had and, mm. and, and done and is effectively over. I do know that Hearts had made a statement saying that they were, uh, and Budge in particular, was looking at 
um, bringing reconstruction back to the table. And Neil Doncaster actually talked, uh, touched on that in his interview uh, that we're discussing here and on um, various media outlets today in terms of saying, you know, Anne Verge of Hearts is keen to come back again with another resolution looking at reconstruction around an enlarged premiership and the fact that it appears there are a number of clubs that are open-minded about that and there's sympathy for the position of you know a relegated club and uh, I think Neil finished on saying we await the proposal and I know that a lot of clubs will want to look at it with a really open mind so I'm not aware of any resolution to reopen the independent investigation conversation but certainly the reconstruction one and budge is looking to put back on the table with the veiled threat of legal action in the background but well, we'll just get everything all mixed up well see this, this, so is, the thing, this is the thing well, uh, this podcast so. runs on facts so <laughs> if you're going to put a comment in make sure you know what you're talking about right that, never know what sound, i'm talking about did that sound good did i sound very authoritative there was that that's me Can back you, in my seat <laughs> I, I certainly closed my eyes there for a moment and I got the, the, the vision of a yappy dog. That's exactly what I got in the mouth. Now, Scott, well, obviously we know now the league's finished and done, but we've, we're also hearing some rumours that the Scottish Cup might still be going. How's that possible? Um, I, I wish I could answer that. I, I, I genuinely do not know the answer. I, I can't understand and I can't fathom why they, they can't play out the league anytime soon. But they think there's obviously going to be a time between now and the new season starting that they can start the Scottish Cup. I think what they're going to do is they're going to kibosh any idea of starting the Scottish Cup between now and maybe August. And I think they're going to try and kick it off right at the start of the new season. Um, I don't know how that affects. I mean, we've spoke previously about how um, Europa League team registrations, etc., were were affected by the the progression of that. I don't know if we have a similar sort of scenario with the Scottish Cup in the sense that clubs are submitting team lines, squad lines, if you like. Do you know, come squads will be entirely different come end of July, August. There's no two ways about it. Clubs will be, will have minimal players maybe signed on if, if things continue in this vein. So. How they can justify not kiboshing the Scottish Cup, I don't know. Or how they, I just don't know how they've not given it to Celtic. Scott, and Hearts are at the most unfair advantage because they've just been relegated. They're going to need to cut money. And their playing squad's going to take a big hit. Yep. Convenient. Yeah. Look for a, look for a, we, we couldn't finish the, the Scottish Cup, so we decided to do it on a, who scored the most goals getting to the final? <laughs> and would you believe who's going to get awarded the, uh, the Scottish Cup? Whoever's, le- whoever's left in the competition and won it the most times, we'll just give it to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> DVD coming soon. But, but lads, it's not all bad news because the SFA, when it comes to some things, are still on our side. Now, Tommy, the SFA have come out and they have ended the probe into Rangers' European Champions League. Uh, what was it? The players, player selection, or something? Yeah. I'll be honest with you; I've yeah. completely forgot about all this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, good question, Martin. And these charges, you know, relate back to a long, you know, pretty long-standing disciplinary issue that Rangers have had with the the SFA that relate back to the 2011-2012 season European license application. So Rangers were hit, um, I think, back in May 2018. You know, so 24 months ago, two years ago, where with two disciplinary charges, if, if I recall correctly, 
which related to complying with the UEFA rules. So observing the principles of sportsmanship and behaving towards the Scottish FA uh, and other members with, a, with the utmost good faith. Uh, and we can take uh, a jump off of the utmost good faith there considering what's been on recently. Specifically inside that, the charges related to the financial information uh, that Rangers had given to the SFA in the year before we went into uh, administration. So essentially, you have to prepare your, your books, give them to your national FA before you take part in UEFA club competitions. The whole point being, UEFA don't want egg on their face with a club halfway through a UEFA club competition going bust and um, because they were sit <laughs> sitting on whatever. So that's the process. I think the nuance in this, uh, this you know, specific to point out is it took two years of discussions with um, and uh, discussions in italics, right? Because it, arguments and legal wranglings and lots of money being spent on lawyers because they never come out badly with the SFA, so the, S, the SPL, I should say, um, to, to get to this point. They really wanted to push for this and Rangers weren't willing to just sit back and take uh, the disciplinary charges. We had pushed for the need to take this to the, this case to the Court of Arbitration for Sport uh, in Switzerland, so the CAS, so to speak, uh, and I'm sure everybody will be familiar with that, that terminology. So two years of back and forth with all this um, before the SFA board unanimously, and I think I've said SPFL, SFA and all that, SPFL, I, I tend to get mixed up with all the, the acronyms kicking about. It was the SFA board that we were in discussions with. Um, and eventually, through all of that, they've decided now not to carry on with these frivolous proceedings. And they'd issued a statement that said, you know, I'm, I'm shortening this and bastardising it slightly. The judicial panel had you know, convened to look over the notice of complaint against Rangers in, from 2018, the relation to new alleged, uh, alleged new uh, evidence regarding representations. I don't know why the word alleged is in there, uh, to be honest with you, but um, essentially concluded that jurisdiction lay with the Court of Arbitration for Sport. And so that's the SFA saying Rangers were right all along. We can't make this decision. It would have to go to CAS in Switzerland, which Rangers had always said. And then, and here's the interesting part, and then the SFA saying, do we want independent Court of Arbitration eyes on this, these notice of complaints from <laughs> the Rangers? Rangers? You know what? This seems like a spurious litigation. Like, let's put it in the, in the, in the bin. We're a members organization, and it's really important we move on. Take from that what you will, that if you fight them long enough, they will relent because ultimately there is nothing here. Um, and both, you know, both sides went out of this in terms of it, not having to spend any more money. But again, I just come back to the, to the point that once Rangers pushed on this hard enough, you know, the, the board, the SFA didn't want it to go to an independent arbitration service. Read from that what you want to. Yeah. It's that word, independent. Um, yes. Scott, call me cynical, Scott, right? But that's a pretty convenient time. Yep. I mean, I, I think um, when it when it came out, um, you could hear sort of balloons going all around East End of Glasgow, um, which was quite satisfying, I have to say. Um, I, I think it, it it definitely took the the wind out their sails a little bit um, as they celebrated eight point seven seven in a row or whatever it is they're, they're calling it. Um, yeah, it was the timing. I, I think was quite interesting um, to say the least. I it was something that I'd completely forgot about. I think similar to a lot of Rangers supporters, you, you said you led with that yourself, Martin. I think it was something that I'd, I'd passed by 
um, eight years ago, for goodness sake. <laughs> eight years ago, I think it was happened in eight years. Um, it's uh, it's incredible to to think that only now they're, they're sort of arriving at a decision. Sorry, Tommy, on it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> they're back again, those years. <laughs> and do you know, the great thing now about us doing a video is that everybody gets to see Scott's knees. Oh, sorry. It's... Yeah, but what is that all about? <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. This isn't an after dark show. I've got two of them. Up the wall, put them away. I feel like I should be in Guam. Anyway. <laughs> I'll, I'll respond with an elbow. There, there we go. <laughs> socially distanced elbow. Yeah, there we go. Did you notice when he was talking about the Ian interview, the knee kept getting higher? Did you notice that? Um, <laughs> I bet it's my knee. Yeah, and he, he, he shots came flying off. <laughs> <laughs> right, lads, we'll, we'll move on because, um, as Scott, I think you mentioned it on last week's pod. I mean, I didn't listen because I wasn't in it. So. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're starting a new section of the pod, My Jers. Now, <laughs> I know that Tommy's been looking forward to this and anybody who's just downloading the pod and isn't actually watching on YouTube, I would advise you now to go to YouTube because Wally's going to upset at least one person on this panel tonight. Now, Wally, what I'd like you to do is I would like you just to start with your goalkeeper and your back four, if you're playing a back four. So just a goalkeeper and defenders. Hey, okay. So I'll apologise to have to listening because I'll probably upset everybody. But my goalkeeper is the man up here, Stefan Claus. Has to be. <laughs> idolised him. Absolutely idolised him. He was my hero growing up. Hey. Sorry, sorry. I should actually also point out that this is players that you've seen. Right. Um, sorry. Because if for anybody listening, they might just be thinking, I mean, of all time, this is actually players that you've seen. So your goalkeeper is Stefan Claus. Who's your left back? Oh. I think we're going to need to get a Twitter poll here. <laughs> I'm, I'm throwing a third name at you. Oh, oh no. hold on a minute. That's controversial. I bet hmm. you're going to go for a, like, a utility. Um, he's going to go bonus sale, isn't he? <laughs> Sasa Papach. Sasa Papach. Oh. Sasa Papach. He wasn't even a left back. He was a centre back, man. That's a good shout, yeah. though. Walter, Walter oh, Smith turned him to it. And the reason I've, I've went with him over Newman, because it would have been Newman, is the run to the Europa League uh, final, it was great, I thought. You know, it was, it was steady, steady throughout it. Who's your centre-back, William? I've got two centre-backs. <laughs> I'm, I'm going Craig Moore and Carlos Coelho. I could have went Boom Song or, you know, uh, Bouguera, who went interviewed. Good plug. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that, that's how I ended up deciding to go for. Right back. See, this, that was quite hard, I thought, because I've seen Hutton, Rickson, Wacker, behave guys. <laughs> and ta- and Tavenier, hey, that's why I'm drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sweating about that one all night, but I had to go for Rickson, purely because of how, was it his first old firm game? He had an absolute horror. Joker. And he, yeah. he came up, he came back for that and it showed his fighting spirit, I thought. And I'd love that guy in my team. Ken, I know he's gonna give me hundred percent. Indeed. Right, Scott, Rickson for me wasn't a right back. Just my own personal opinion. I thought he looked far better when they moved him into midfield. I but um yeah. so Sasa Papich, who Carlos Queller, 
Who was the other one? Moore yeah. and Rickson. What do you make of that back four? It's a decent back four. There's a lot of Hardy characters in there. Um, you look at guys like um, Rickson and and Moore. Uh, not a lot of guys are getting past these guys, particularly the latter. Uh, Carlos Queller, I, I thought, was a really, really classy defender. A really, really good defender. And I agree with Willie absolutely wholeheartedly. Papach in the UEFA Cup final run was, was as good as anyone, I felt. Um, and his, his celebration in, in front of the supporters at that semi-final will be iconic forever and ever and ever. So, but just before I go to Tommy, Wally, what years is this? What, what, what years is this on then? Well, so from ninety. I, well, I was born in '93, so I kind of I, I would be watching football, but I'd be lying if I said I remembered the the players like um, you know Gorham, uh, Goff. I'd be lying if I said I remember all of them. So, I'm so you obviously you don't remember Robertson. You don't remember Robertson, that's why you have anything. No, particularly, but uh, it would be, you know what I mean? Right, so Tommy, for 1993 onwards, how does that back four suit you? Well, first of all, get, you know, good choices to my good friend, William Boyd. Uh, <laughs> with, uh, part of the Arthur Newman RSC, Love, loving that. Um, I, I think there some interesting choices, and that, that's not a criticism. I think that's a, it's a really good team um, in terms of, you know, with a nod to Sasa Papach, I'd give that back. That back five because I'll code Stefan Kosh there. Um, a seven out of ten, right? Um, because that's the Papach standard. I just I think they're individually very good. I'd fancy my chances to score against them, and I would probably say, uh, with all heartfelt respect, I'd probably fancy my chances against the right back because I don't naturally see Fernando Rickson as a right back. Mm. That's the only the only challenge. Not questioning Kloss, phenomenal goalkeeper. Um, and was able to fill the boots of Andy Gorham, which was no mean feat. You know, made people made people have a conversation about who was better, which mm. talks to the testament. It's a testament to how good Stefan Kloss was. Yeah. Moore, phenomenal defender. Carlos Quella, another great defender. Maybe too short-lived, in my opinion, to make it in a, in a team. But again, different era. I, I totally get that. Um, and then Papach. Hey, I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, with Assassa Papach, no, nobody could. Um, Aye, interesting pick. Interesting to see how your midfield sets up to protect that back four. Well, like, this is like, kind of why Rickson well, didn't really make it in there. Well, it depends. Are you playing a four in midfield or a three? A three. It's sort of... Aye, that, that's, that's why I kind of thought okay. Rickson right back. Right, so just before you go on, Tommy, mm. it'll be great to get your team because obviously that'll be from the 70s onwards. So, it'll be, you know, um, <laughs> you'll be making an appearance in my, my team, to be honest with you. I don't know what Scott's laughing at, his team's for the 40s. Right, no. Wally, you're, you're midfield. Right. Pretty obvious, straightforward. It's, there's one real easy pick, and it's going to be Barry Ferguson, and he'd also be my captain. Okay. Um, that speaks for itself. I could have went with, well, for the other two positions. I could have went with a lot of Ken quality players. You've got Van Bronckhurst, Hemdani, uh, who is good in the Europa, the, uh, the UEFA Cup final. You see a theme kind of happening here. Um, but I went with Rayner in there as well. I remember him. I remember him being really good. I think he was really underrated as well. Yep. And Pedro Mendes. 
and I thought he was he was very good. He's he was shot kind of lived as well. I think it was about a year and a half maybe. Yeah. Two seasons. Uh, and that was that's my midfield. It's a good midfield, Tom. Oh, I, I don't agree. I'm sorry, William. My, my apologies, buddy. Um, no, sorry, I, I'm not just trying to be belligerent, right? But it's not that I don't agree, right? They're all great players, buddy. No question that at all. Uh, particularly for Ferguson. I think out the bat, you're not getting anybody disagreeing with that. I would disagree Alan's with that. Captain. Well, okay, we'll come back to that, right? But I think that's a, a top pick. And you've got Cody Wayne in there, great servant to the club. Really good player. Um, I think we got him, was it Wolfsburg? We get him from? I think so, I something like that. Certainly Germany, somewhere, yeah. Yeah. Um I think Sun now plays for Borussia Dortmund, doesn't he? Um yeah. and you've got um Pedro Mendes uh, in there as well, another you know good, very, very good technical player, screamer of a goal against uh, against Elliot Parkhead, also a cracker against Thistle in the cup, I think. Um outside of the boot, kind of last last minute or something like that. Yeah. Um also the guy that introduced us to Introduce the board to Pedro Cachinha, so maybe want to take your position <laughs> on that one. But um, I just don't, for being technical about it, I don't see where the bite in your midfield is, because you've got Ferguson who's probably attack-minded. You've got Mendes who's a playmaker, attack-minded, um, and then you've got Claudio Reina who wants to get forward as well. That's I don't see where your your balance is. Claudio, Claudio Reina could have been a ball-winning midfielder. I, I could see him doing that. I'm just that's, that's that's my only challenge, William. I don't see where the balance is. Scott, what's your challenge? If, listen, the obvious name in there was Barry Ferguson in the first instance. I think it, it's going to be difficult for any of us when we do this for us not to pick him. Um, I, I think Reina's a really, really good shout. He was a really tidy midfielder and worked his arse off every single game he played. Um, Mendes, I was really surprised at. Pedro Mendes, I was really surprised that Willie, I, he was one of these guys, as you rightly say, he wasn't there for long. You almost forget that he was there. Um, I thought he was an excellent footballer. Um, I don't know if he'd make it into my midfield three. One of them absolutely would, that you said. Mendes, I'm not sure, would be that one. I, you I know, you know that Scott's serious because his knee was getting... Oh, no. <laughs> I'd go as far as to say that I don't think... I'd be willing to take a bet that I don't think any of us will come up with the same midfield. Rangers have had, over our respective eras, right? And when I say eras, I'm looking at Scott and, and Martin, obviously, well, we've we probably got relatively similar to But um, I, I, th- I think we sometimes forget, and you can talk about different parts of the field, but Rangers have had some top-tier talent in that midfield. They pick three or even four. I, mean, I don't know if anybody's going to play a five in midfield. I might pick six in midfield and dispense with the the defence, you know, the Levine la, theory. What I was going to say, a la Kashinya against Motherwell. Right? <laughs> um, I don't want any defenders and my, my keeper's a sweeper. Um, let's get this game back on. Um, I, you know, it's so hard to go through that midfield list when you think of some of the names that are in there. I think yeah. Williams called it with Ferguson, though. I mean, I can't imagine he's not going to be in even yours, Martin. I, I cannot him. believe he hasn't picked Ian Black. Honestly, it's just. It's, I was close. <laughs> right, now your, your front three, William, are you playing two wide and one through the middle or are you playing three tight? When I tell you the names, they can do whatever they want, to be honest. Um, Fair enough. I don't know whether they change this, but... Uh, can they change it? Can they change it? No, 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 no. no, no, no. Yeah, they're locked in. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, guys. So, 
my first one, who I think's pretty kind of straightforward uh, for me growing up, Chris Boyd. Got to keep a Boyd in the team. I think his goal scoring record was phenomenal. Uh, I think his first spell, 151 uh, appearances, he scored 127 goals. I just think that's, you know, he knows where the goal is. Um, and I know nobody's going to agree with me because McCoy stays in here, right? You're too okay. young for McCoy. That's, that's what I was going to say, just trying to remember players. I do slightly remember certain games, but I, I'm going to go with who I really remember. It's probably just because it's it's more recent in my memories. But I'm going to go with Nacho Novo because he, I thought, scored vital goals and his link-up play was exceptional. And he could probably sit off you know, either side as well. Um, and I think uh, it was at Heart and Hand had done a kind of who was the best kind of buy we've ever had. And and I think they worked out it was him for the goals he scored, the contribution to the club and for the price we paid for him. He was the best best ever buy. Well, I'm going to say right now before you carry on, and I very rarely criticise Heart and Hand, but they're wrong because the best buy we ever made was Rod Wallace on a three. So anyway, carry on. And my final one was the man who says, when I play, I am like a soldier going into battle. My teammates are my comrades. We never give up, no matter the opposition. Dad will <clears throat> He was another big idol of mine growing up. So I thought he had everything. I thought he was a complete stri- uh, striker. I know he had one knee, and I just wish he had two. But he was strong. He knew where the goal was. He could also bring everybody else into the game. So that's my team. Scott, I know it's... Uh the best 11 you've seen. So <clears throat> it's not as if we're, we're p- trying to put them into a formation where they're all going to click. No, no. But if you're looking at that front three are crucial Boyd and Novo, does that work for you? It, 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 I would drop one of them. And the, the one that I would probably drop is Willie's uncle, Chris. <laughs> um, because I actually, I actually felt that um, Dado and Nacho actually formed a really good partnership up front when they were both here. Mm. Um, they played really well together, so I understand why um, Willie's maybe went for for the pair of them. It's difficult to to leave out certain players because you're aware you've seen them and they have been that good. Chris Boyd is a prime example of that. If you want goals in your team, he's going to score. Simple as that. I mean, Willie's quoted his his records there. He's he's going to be there or thereabouts. Um, I don't think he'll be in my sort of top two or top three up front. Um, I'm not sure Purcell or Novo will be either, to be honest with you. But I think that it's a decent front three, to be honest with you. Well done, Willie. Tommy, Tommy, before you come back in, Willie, would you have Novo in your top strikers? So was that directed at, at, at me, Martin? Well, your name is Tommy. Yeah, but you said before before you come back in. So I think you were meaning me and not not William there. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll cover for you, Martin. It's fine. Mate. I thought it was a video or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll do that. Well, uh, I I'd probably subscribe the same way as Scott. Uh, you know, well done, William. And there's there's never any way of winning when you're the first to choose. Uh, and it's all set in the time and the players you've seen. To- totally get that. Does that front three work for me? No, no it doesn't. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I appreciate why. Um, the first iteration, uh, and I'm sensing it's the first itera- iteration and not the second one of Chris Boyd, uh, is in there. I think it's a sponsor thing because you told me off camera your fantasy 11 is, is sponsored by Monster Munch. So I think he has to start <laughs> the game. Um, 
<laughs> which is which is fine. But yeah, I'm going to go the Walter Smith route. This team's going to play some big games, and Walter Smith always dropped uh, your man Boyd. So I think Boyd would drop out for me if I was forced to take uh, two of that front three, which won't be appearing. That won't be the front three of my team, I don't suspect. But um, it would be Purcell and Novo. And just on that, Novo, great signing all that, right? Uh, as you said, William. Uh, but it's Martin was saying as well, that Purcell played a European a Champions League final for Monaco. And that summer, we got him on a free transfer. Absolutely. Um, so another free transfer. And for guys with like, iconic looks and iconic goals, you know, um, Marvin Andrews, not the guy you want to be playing it out the back. Boom. I'll shell <laughs> one on in the penalty. It's all for you. There's a volley. And I'll just run away into the crowd like this. Um, uh, and then stick a bandana and a headband on that guy as well. Ridiculously talented guy for, for one week. And I think, sorry to kind of, this, but I think that Russell's story was like he was working as a mechanic. Yeah. John Carew, who was playing, remember John Carew used to play for Valencia and all that? Yeah. Valencia Aston Villa. Aye, so he was the same. It was like more league stuff, mid 20s and all that. Not going anywhere, got a full time job type of thing, and then get plucked out of nowhere. The same way, I think it was the same with Dado Russell. Next thing you know, he's playing for uh, Monaco. I think it was Didier Deschamps was the manager for that Monaco team. Um, Champions League final and all that. Un- unbelievable. unbelievable. I, know I, I can't remember who beat them in that Champions League final, but they did get beaten, didn't they? Just remember Hi. as well, um, he scored four goals, I think, after we signed him against Deportivo La Coruña. I'm sure he scored four goals in that game. And there were rumours, roughly, at least right. I think, that we were going to sign him. I thought he was a terrific player. He was one of my idols. I know he was. He absolutely was. Right, so I can't remember who against. So I, know, I know that I know that team doesn't really work up front. By the way, just in case you were wondering why they are three or off, you're mixed up. They're playing for the one. They're playing for the one now, uh, home win and get a nil-nil away from home on your route to the UEFA Cup final. William, Very much. Right, I'm going to read the team out and Scott and Tommy. I want a mark out of ten. Right, so, and for anybody listening uh, that isn't watching on YouTube, if you want to get over to YouTube and get in the comments what you think about this team, it's closing goal, a back four of Rixon, Quella, Moore and Papach, a midfield three of Reina, Mendes and Ferguson, and a front three of Purcell, Boyd and Novo. Scott, marks out a 10. Um, and, sorry, in general, I would say... Ah, in general. I would say seven out of ten, Willie, and I, I, I think that the, the question marks for me would be over one of your midfielders and Chris Boyd up front. Tommy? With all the caveats that Scott has just put in place there, I would give that team a six out of ten. And William, I think one of the overriding things I'd probably say as well is I think, given your age, you're a bit of the victim of the players that you can choose from, in all honesty, buddy. Um, people like myself, Martin Scott, will have a bigger, more talented pool. That's just the, that's just the way it is. Well, we'll, we'll have the David Roberts. Yeah, yeah, so you can always pack your subs bench for guys like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Like, um, I thought um, we would actually move on and speak a wee bit about football, guys. That's all right. Wow. But transfer rumours, how's that sound? <laughs> yeah. But just before we do that, I want to just um, 
bring up some what I've seen online, and I'm sure you guys seen it as well. The the idiots that broke into Ibrox. Um, just like just when you thought they couldn't stoop any lower, Tommy, they just managed to break that barrier. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to be unsurprised. Mm. And so there's probably a couple of things here because we know we know Celtic fans listen to this this podcast and every other Rangers podcast as well. So it's really important that this is not about being handed the league title in any sour grapes. As Scott touched on earlier with one of, one of your earlier questions, Martin, there is a bigger, wider world out there where there's a, a global pandemic that is killing people. Um, but yet your first thought is to, one, break the social distancing rules by having a fake party for fake time. And then I'll go out my way and some of his old cycle, um, interesting to know where they got those bikes, uh, cycle down to, to Ibrox to, to, to urinate on the gates. Okay, if that's if that's your thing, right? I'm not really into that type of those parts of the internet, right? But and then I'll break in, I'll break into private property and I'll fly a, a a flag. I just don't. Maybe I suffer from this, right? Maybe that's my age. I don't actually see what the slagging there is. Mm. Oh, look! I broke into an empty building where guys sometimes play football and watch football, right? Um, and I waved a flag in the dead of night. Look at me, hail hail. 14 shamrock uh, emojis and, you know, come on you boys in green, then belly, right? Or whatever it is they, they, they tweet out on a daily basis. I don't know, right? I don't, you guys help me. What's the slag in there? What's the, what's the kudos that that guy got from getting in and waving the flag? I think the well, reason he's done it is for uh, likes on Facebook and Twitter and all that sort of mm. stuff, all that sort of rubbish. Do you know what I mean? Yes, he's trying to be the big, oh, look at me, I'm dead funny. Scott, I'm a, I'm all for the, the banter, right? And the make, making fun of each other and that's a tainted title. We can say this, we can say that. But, I mean, I've never listened to a Celtic podcast. I've never clicked on a Celtic page, especially I've never clicked on a Celtic page on purpose. But the last thing that would be in my mind, never mind a global pandemic, if this was just normal times, the last thing that would be in my mind would be to break any party. Absolutely. I mean, I think that if, if if times were ordinary, which we know that they're not, um, if, if we were winning the league, um, you'd be absolutely jam-packing everywhere around Ibrox. Celtic Park would not be anywhere near your mindset. I don't care what anyone says, that, that you just wouldn't be giving them a second thought. You, Regardless of how, how much you won it by, um, how close they, they were to anyone else in the league, you wouldn't care. You in the league, you're celebrating it with your kind at your house. Um, why that idiot chose to do what he'd done, um, it, it beggars, and it, I, I don't apologise for using the term, it beggars belief. Um, and I'd be really surprised and quite disappointed if someone at the club didn't come out and and openly criticise him for it. I, I believe when the guy's posted the thing, he's, um, he's he's mentioned a player in his tweet. I'm not entirely sure who it is, but um, they could do a lot worse than try and pick out who that player was and get him he maybe to come out and, and do a bit of reprimanding. Whether that'll happen or not is 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 different again because they've got previous for choosing what they what they want to comment on. If I could just jump in on that for, for a second. It's a peculiar thing. I think that, and Scott, you touch on it there, and there's probably a lot of Rangers fans listening or, or watching this, this will really resonate with, right? I always get the feeling that if you know, when we win things, um, 
and hopefully that feeling returns really, really soon. Um, <laughs> that our first thought is, uh, with anything, our first thought is Rangers. Mm-hmm. Whereas I sometimes get a feeling from their support that their first thought is also Rangers and not always their own club. It's just, it always seems to be that everything they do is reflected from us. Uh, and they, they always have to think of us first. I, I hope I'm wrong there, right? Because that would be a terrible way to live. But I, I just don't understand why it's always about always about us. I mean, yeah. just look look to your own club and, and celebrate that. Why why does it have to be about about Rangers? It's very very strange. Uh, it's, it's pretty sad. It's pretty sad. But listen, guys, we'll move on because I actually want to discuss some transfer news. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, when we first started this pod, I thought it was going to be dead easy. We'll talk about transfers. We'll talk a wee bit about football, and then the shit hit the fan, and then I didn't come on the pod last week because it was too Martin. hard a topic. How many of uh, how many of Williams eleven are being transferred? Uh, that's, uh, that's the All of them. Um, right. So I thought we would talk about players. He's listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To anybody who's not watching the video and on the listening audio, William has a picture of Stefan Kloss creepily looking over his shoulder. It has to be said. Or it might be Billy Thompson. We don't it could know. be Billy Thompson. Yeah. That is Stefan Claus. Taking it off the wall. Taking it off the wall. He looks really surprised. Anyway, right, moving on. So, we had six players that are going to be released uh, by the club at the end of our contract at the end of this season. We have discussed Jason Holt, we've discussed Jordan Rossiter and Jack Almick, so we'll just we'll leave that because we've done that in our. In our earlier podcast, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen. There's a plug. Um, but there was there was one guy I wanted to talk about, and we'll come on to Andy Halliday in a minute, but it was Wes Fordringham. Now, Tommy, uh, we did slightly discuss Wes in a previous pod, and I believe you were of the opinion that he wasn't good enough. Um, but for me, he's not really done much wrong since he came to Rangers. But um, I, I, I really hope that he gets himself a really good club because he's never really done anything wrong by us, has he? Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know what? I think the point I was, I was making in that previous podcast was we, we, we need to be careful not to be revisionist. He was never of the highest quality for Rangers. And the only reason he got a, a game is because of where we were. That's no denigration about Wes Fodringham. Um, I think he was probably the most saleable asset out of that group that's been, mm-hmm. you know, that's leaving the club. All due respect to Andy Halliday, etc. But um, Halliday's more of the, the heart. Um, you know, we always wanted him to do well because he's a fan and we know he's one of us. Whereas I think the most bankable asset was actually Wes Fodringham. I was quite surprised to see that he left, uh, where he was allowed to leave without maybe going in um, the winter transfer uh, window and getting some fee in because I think he is a relatively bankable asset and he will get a He'd get a club, League One, bottom end of the championship, something like that. Maybe Scotland again, I don't know. But yeah, nothing nothing against them. I think you're right. Always good performances in front of some horrible back fours. Um get to give him his due. He was only a he was only a, a loser with some of the players that were in front of him. Um wish him all the best. Always looked like a class act, always spoke well for the club. Never really remember seeing him in the front pages, which is the minimum I expect from Rangers players. So yeah, wish him all the very, very best. William, were you surprised? I mean, I, I was a, a wee bit surprised that John Flanagan's been released. Were you expecting maybe him to get a, maybe an extra one-year deal considering the relationship with Gerard? See, I've never really been a fan of him, to be honest. I don't think he looks like a, a full-back because that's the position he's been playing. I think he'll run a centre-half and he wasn't getting that kind of opportunity either. 
Uh, it reminded me of Fo- Forey, Sebastian Forey, for the, for the lower mm. leagues back in the banter years. And uh, I, I think I, I've mentioned that in another podcast as well. Um, but no, I'm not really surprised that, that he's been let go. And the big one then, Scott, Andy Halliday. Um, we put a video out on our social media platforms earlier, a wee tribute to Andy Halliday. He served us really well, but I want to maybe play a wee bit of devil's advocate here and ask you, if it wasn't for his connections to Rangers, the the type of player that Andy Halliday is and what he's, what he's done and what he's achieved at Rangers, would we be fawning over him leaving? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think there's a there's a bit of a there's a romance surrounding Andrew Halliday, isn't there? I mean, I think you've got the situation where um, he, he was brought up stone's throw away from from the club. Uh, has been quite open and honest that it's the only place he's ever really wanted to to play his football. Um, but I think at at this stage, um, more so after having a, a, a decent season, um, I think we realise that we need better quality than Andy Halliday, whether it's for covering in the midfield or, or covering at left back. Um, I, I just felt we need better cover for him, gutted for him, to be perfectly honest with you. I really am, and I'm, I'm sure he, he's probably spent the, the last couple of days in maybe quite a low place because it, it would help him quite hard, I'm sure. Bigger picture for Andy Halliday is if he's a footballer, he should surely be looking to get first-team football, and if, if he's not going to get it at Rangers next season, he's definitely good enough to go and get it somewhere and there's no doubt that he'll, he'll be back at Ibrox more often than not as a supporter I don't think there's any doubt about that Tommy you're quite a cynical man um, <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. Andy Halliday um, and, I, and I don't mean any disrespect to Andy Halliday when I ask Scott that question because he is one of us and we would give our right legs to be able to do what he's done although that wouldn't be a wise decision if you wanted to play football but what what is Andy Halliday's level Oh, that's a that's an interesting one. Um, so yeah, totally take on board everything everybody's saying. We all wanted um, uh, Andy Halliday to do well because he does. He's living that dream that that we all yeah, have had and continue to have, even in a way with just old moments like me. That something happens and I need to get pulled out of my my usual seat at Ibrox to fill in <laughs> one uh, one week, and, and I just happened to score that goal. Um, uh, and he, he's lived that, and he's lived it through some really traumatic times, some really bad defeats from, from a big rivals. He'll always have that semi-final, uh, when he bossed, you know, he, did, he bossed the midfield in a really good game. So he can take that away. All of that is a, a way of me padding out whilst I really think in the background what his <laughs> level is and how I'm best going to describe that, so I better get to the point, because that was your question. I think Andy Halliday's level is... League One, mid-table championship, possibly top end of the championship. I've never seen anything in him that, that would suggest otherwise. I'd be, I'd be delighted to be wrong about that. And he comes back and he signs for another big club and he has a stellar career. But I think, you know, in his heart of hearts, because he's, he, again, he's one of us. It's just like talking to one of us. I think Andy's probably, in that soul-searching that Scott's talking about, realised that it never will get any better for him. This was the club of his dreams. There is nothing bigger than that, no matter how big the club is or what league it plays in. If it's the club of your dreams and if it's Rangers, there's not there's nothing ever going to be bigger than that. 50,000 adoring fans, people stopping you in the street, a fierce rivalry, the kind of support that only Rangers fans can give somebody and the type that is 
you know, only given to one of our own who really plays for the badge and you know felt it. Andy Halliday is never going to get that anywhere else. No foot, most footballers will never experience it. You know, best of luck to him, and I hope he gets the best club available to him. That's that's my general non-cynical view on that. I can't remember the game it was, but none of the first team came out, and I think he was a sub, and he came out and spoke to the media that day, and he was kind of thrown under the bus, but he came out and tried to explain as best he could. I can't even remember the game it was, but it wasn't that long ago. I think you, could, you only need to go back to um, the Ryan Jack game. The, sorry, the game that Ryan Jack scored against Celtic, and Halliday was playing at left back, and he was the best player in the park by quite a distance. He went into every tackle like it was his last. He celebrated every tackle like it was his last. Um, if there was ever the epitome of a Rangers supporter playing against Celtic at Ibrox that day, it was Andy Halliday. Yeah, the, the only blot on what would have been a a pretty good CV. And, you know, that would cycle through, scored a screamer against Hibs, uh, the 6-2 game in the opening day in the Walbert Mirror. Got the, got the promotion, got ended the journey to get back, or rather ended that part of the journey to get back into the Premiership. Won a cup semi-final and, and bossed the game against Celtic. Scored in a cup final. It's that last wee bit yeah. that's missing from the CV because we should have, you know, in a perfect world, we'd have walked away with a trophy that day. We didn't. But that's the only part that's missing from Andy Hardy's CV. I, I genuinely wish for him personally that he had a winner's medal in there that isn't a you know, championship. Um, or rather, it isn't, isn't a premiership, I should say. Yeah, that's the only thing I feel sorry for him. But otherwise than that, I think everybody, including Stephen Gerrard, have always spoke, spoken glowingly about him in terms of being around about the, the dressing room. And it must have been hard. Gerrard came in. Yeah, he was in and out of the team, but it was, it was clearly it was a big part. Um, he's, he's lived through that. Never put a foot wrong, never bad mouth. Didn't bad mouth the club when Kishinya sent him to Azerbaijan. Really classy guy who didn't put his own needs ahead of the club. And again, I come back to the fact that that's what supporters tend to do. So I, I couldn't wish Andrew Halliday any more of the best luck in the world. I, I genuinely couldn't. See, on that, I think he's probably hurting for no running out that last time. Ibrox, he's been robbed of that chance with the pandemic, you know? Yeah. And uh, another thing is, you were talking about his level. I don't think he's really found a position at Rangers as well. And I think if he was to go to another club, it could potentially be his last and you might see him going back to Livingston. Play yeah. centre mid. Good shout. Really good shout. So just, just finally on these players then, um, Andy Halliday, John Flanagan, Wes Fodringham, Jason Holt, Jordan Rosser and Jack Almack. Scott, is that, does that show you that, especially with Halliday and Flanagan, that loyalties don't matter now. It's a case of we get out who we don't need and we get in who we definitely do need to improve this squad. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think in the first instance, you're talking about guys that were, that were coming down to the, the end of their contract. So, uh, particularly in um, maybe Halliday and Flanagan's case, they were maybe, say, given the opportunity to sign another contract and felt that they weren't going to get the football that they wanted. Um, so, it was maybe just a case of it, it's... Do you know what I mean? The relationship with, with Rangers has run its course and it, it's effectively time, time for them to go. Biggest picture for me, I, th- I think one thing we should be excited about, and we spoke about this in previous posts, is, as you as you rightly said, um, are we about to see the, the fruits of the training centre uh, about to produce some young guys that we're going to introduce into the first team squad? I said previously that I felt Robbie McCrory was going to be the the number two goalkeeper next season, I'd be really, really surprised now, more so than ever, if he wasn't to be. 
Um, you wonder if, if the fact that they're, they're losing Flanagan and Halliday, um, is Nathan Patterson going to be promoted as a, a second choice right back? Is there someone in a left back position um, down the stiffs that's, that's ready to make that progression up? So if you're a young person at Ibrox and maybe reserve on the on the cusp of climbing that ladder, there's maybe an opportunity for you now considering that they are beginning to, to move bodies out of the football club. I think it's a big thing though as well. Like, um, I mean, what, what's going on with, with league titles and that as well? We're in a we're trying to stop that, and then if you're trusting young boys, you know, I don't know, are we going to be in that position? Like to do that? Are we going to be able to do that? Are they going to handle the pressure? Are we going to ruin their careers by doing that? You know, it's I think, I think it's, it's a big uh, expectation on the young young players to do that. I think that's a, a good take there from from William. Although I get Scott's point about you know at some point these players, these younger players, have to be trusted and. Yeah. For example, Robbie McCrory has done his premiership loan part with Livingston, although it didn't get to play out the full season. I think there's a balance to be struck there. I think the only kind of overlay that I, I pull over the whole thing is, depending on who comes in, or you know, doesn't really matter who comes in, players will come in uh, over this period for the start of the next season. With this block of players that are leaving, um, that is the final tranche, if you like, of players that... Uh, Steven Gerrard didn't sign that he didn't like. Everything's been moved out. All the other players, the Mexicans, all that type of stuff. This is probably the first time where you'll be able to look and quite clearly see, you know, definitively say, that squad is entirely Steven Gerrard's. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to have to live and die by that squad's performance yeah, more so than any other season. And so I think given the pressures on the... Given that, which is a good news story because it ultimately saves the world of players coming in because they have to cover that because I don't think they will naturally replace every position um, with youth. And I know you weren't saying every position, Scott. No, no. Um, I think McCrody's probably the best pick. Maybe a Patterson, maybe a, um, the young boy's name escaped. Kai Kennedy. Kai Kennedy, yes, thank you. He might have been there. We go back down the road of talking about your Middletons and stuff like that as well. I sense Rangers will actually make some relatively big key signings splash a bit of money because wages have been freed up and stuff like that and then pad out the squad with some youth yeah. but there will be a, an expectation that pretty much every key position has another experienced player behind it ready to step in and then for some of the games where it's not so important or we can afford to rotate or cut games then some of your youth comes in as well Robbie McCrory maybe aside and I've had to change my position on that because I thought Wes would get another year or we'd bring somebody else in but I think the pressures of what we're going for next year might just preclude playing too much here. Yeah, let's segue towards transfers then because <clears throat> we can sit here and talk all night, but we're running out of time and we've also got to step up and play to announce as well because a few folk have emailed in and I want to give them their shout-outs. So, transfer rumours. First transfer rumour is an out and it's Glenn Kamara, Lolly. Um, seven to nine million, I think it was Marseille. Now, when Glenn Kamara first came in for 50,000, I think it was for that initial kind of six months, we all looked at him and thought, wow, look at this guy. He's phenomenal for 50k. And then he kind of tailed off a wee bit. So what would your feeling be towards Rangers letting him go for between seven and nine million? I think it kind of depends on, on who else you might be letting go. Um, but if you were to choose maybe one player that you're releasing, it would be Glenn Kamara because you could probably cover that position easier than say a goal scorer or a right back or a left back in my opinion. So I would so, I would say sell him. 
you would say Selham Scott playing Kamara for you? Uh, I I think they may sell him if if the if the stories are true and, and they're they're going to get a bid of upwards of seven million. I don't think it's anything the club are going to knock back. To be perfectly honest with you, one thing I would say about Glenn Kamara is that Gerard really really trusts him. You know what I mean? The manager really, really believes in him. He, he's, I reckon he'll be one of the first names on the team sheets for these big European games at Ibrox. I, 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 I don't have any stats in front of me, but I'm, I'm relatively sure he played in every um, European game for us this season. Um, Steven Gerrard really likes Glenn Kamara, so I think it would take a decent wedge to, to allow us to let him go. I think seven million would do it, considering the, the fee that we put out for him to bring him in from Dundee. It's all about the research, Scott. It's all about the research. Tommy, <laughs> 79 million for you for Kamara. Are you taking that? Yeah, I think you probably I think you probably have to, although I would be looking for the near the top end of that because I think he's um, you know, still really, really young, finishing a national mainstay of their midfield for probably the next decade unless something terrible happens to him, God forbid. Um going to a World Cup um with the well depending on when it's played he'll <laughs> um, be he'll be going there um so he may be a lot older by that point depending on how the pandemic plays out um but yeah given the fact even though i take it on board exactly what scott's saying because i completely agree with it gerard trust him he is a really good player i've cycled through the arsenal youth team there's a classiness to that um looks like he's got all the talent that could go which is why people are willing to spend this amount of money on him um, even with that bad second half of the season I think given the money's involved, could we get somebody who could do the similar job? Probably would Rangers fight it? I think it's probably the, the other question. They might want to they might want to say, yeah, we're not willing to let it let it happen, but I think that figure says like, we're, we're gonna take anywhere upwards of let's say eight uh, for this with some sell on clauses uh, and we and we take it. I I take the check, thanks very much. No well, cash, no debit card. If you're taking the cheque, just say for eight million for Glenn Kamara, how much are you paying for Lewis Ferguson? Well, I think you're picking up Lewis Ferguson for no more than two and a half to three million. Mm. And Scott, Lewis Ferguson has been rumoured, and it's been quite a strong rumour. Um, for me personally, I'm not a big Lewis Ferguson fan. But for yourself, do you think Lewis Ferguson's at the at the class we need to go for fifty five next season? I think I think Lewis Ferguson would be a really good signing. I think a lot of people have, um, they they have a bit of tunnel vision over his surname. To be perfectly honest with you, I think if you look at him in the bigger picture, I think he's a really decent player. He's played a lot of good football. I think he's only twenty two, um, so you would get a lot of good years out of him and a lot of development from him as well. Steven Gerrard, I suspect, would do a lot with Lewis Ferguson as raw as he is just now. Um, I think if you could get him for, I don't think we'd be paying it personally, Tommy. I, I don't think we'd be paying anything like the two million um, you're suggesting. I think you could get him for a lot less than that. And I think that if he knew that there was a possibility of a move to Rangers, um, I'm reasonably sure he would try and make that happen. I should just say there that I, I, I agree with that. Just purely because you mentioned me by name there, Scott. Um, <laughs> I always like the right of rebuttal. Um, <laughs> I, I agree with that. I just I'm, I'm going purely on the basis that. Do I think we could possibly get him cheaper? Yeah, would I want that? Of course. But the way that Aberdeen have acted recently in the transfer market, the way they handled the Scott McKenna stuff, I yeah. think they'd be looking for a premium and it would be up to us whether we wanted to to make that. It's not so much about what do I think he's worth three million right now. I probably don't. I think that's maybe you know a gradual valuation. 
I just think Aberdeen was fight as every step of the way is. Yeah. I, the way you call me on that is a better, point. better articulation second time round there. So I fair play. For the viewers watching the pod there, sorry, I just went to switch my light on. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, what no, were you going I, to say? I think um, we might be able to kind of take kind of advantage of the, the pandemic. I think I read something the other day that they were losing another £1 million. So we, they might be looking to sell players to try and balance yeah. the kind of books and stuff. Yeah. So you might kind of yeah, get probably. a wee bit less. But I don't think uh, he's worth more than £2 million. But I, I like him as a player, to be fair. Um, I thought he's had some pretty good games against us. And he's also got that nasty streak in him that I think we lack at times. The question well, is, actually, is there I, anybody I, I else? Now, no, I true. can now see my notes. I've missed out yeah. so Is there anybody else in, in the, the Scottish game in a similar position that you would think of in, in, instead of Lewis Ferguson? There's, there's a question. I won't lie. <laughs> I, I, naturally, I naturally can't. Uh, I have to admit. I can think of one person, but he nearly signed for a second. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, he uh, can go off the books. Right, I, I actually can't think of anybody. Um, I thought there was a boy at Hearts, but his name escapes me at the moment. Cochrane. <laughs> yes, I think that's him. Sorry, what was the pronunciation there? Cochrane. Yes, it might be Cochrane. He's too young. He's too um, young. I, and I don't think he's got the same level of bite about him. No. But quick, swiftly moving on then, and it's somebody who we've been linked with since it uh, kind of caused Katic and the Celtic defence problems, and that's London Dykes. Now, I'm going to come to you, Tommy, as well, because you are the most cynical on the panel. This um, is an unfair tag that you've given me. No, it's absolutely and I have fair. to wonder what your game is. My game is that <laughs> I've, light, I've got lighting problems in my house and I look like a Christmas tree. But well, I just um, thought you'd had a really good idea. No. <laughs> At least you don't, don't look know. like Alan Brazil. I did last week. I'm getting there. I'm so getting there. But Tommy, Lyndon Dykes for you, Rangers quality. Oh, uh, right now, bit part player. Development potential, yes. Uh, I think, and I think that's you know there's a realistic aspect to what Rangers need to be shopping now sometimes. Um, some of the things we, we spoke about earlier about what what's happening next season, Rangers will have to shop in different markets. Glenn Kamara being a, a great example of that. Was a really great potential piece of I think Dykes shows a hell of a lot of potential. He's big, he's strong, he does a lot more running down the channels and a lot more intelligent running than people give him credit for. Certainly than I first gave him credit for until I watched him a bit more in some older games. Um, he can certainly rough people up, but he's also got talent in there, there's ability, and I suspect he'll be, you know, uh, if he continues on the way he is, he'll be worth a hell of a lot more. We'd make money on him, and he will be a, a long-serving uh, Australian international uh, as well because I'm pretty sure that's where he's, he, his passport's held uh, and I think he's played to make youth levels already. I don't think he's a full cap yet. I might be wrong though. But he's got all the potential to do that. Um, I think he can, yeah, he could be a really good signing uh, for Rangers if he's developed in the right way with the right coaching because he's still a bit raw and there's a wee bit of aggression that probably needs a bit tempered. Do you know who he actually reminds me of? And I'll take my pelters off the, the panel here. And the wider, the, the wider um, viewership. I don't know who you're going to say. Don't say it. I'm hoping I'm going to be wrong here, right? Does he you... reminds me of Duncan Ferguson. Oh, right, right. Watch his game. I think there's a bit of the Duncan Ferguson in him. I'm not saying he's the same temperament. I think he's better at working it. But forget Duncan Ferguson was actually quite a talented footballer as well. Although his goal-scoring ratio is overblown uh, all the time. I think I'm right here. Somebody can challenge me on this. I think Duncan Ferguson never scored more than 100 senior goals in his career. 
I don't mm. think you're a million miles off. Aye, so he's, he's goal-scoring ability is overblown sometimes, but in terms of, so I think Dykes is better in that department, or potentially, but I think their game style and their actual level of game intelligence, because Ferguson was not a stupid man playing the game, um, a, a wee bit similar. Who did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say Haley. So oh, did I. No, levels, guys, levels, <laughs> levels, come on. Right, levels, gents, gents, really quickly, right, so uh, Scott, Lyndon Dykes, yes or no? Yes. Wally? Yes. Right, okay, so we need to move on and we need to finish up the pod. And we're going to finish it up with the step up and play question that was asked on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. For full terms and conditions, please go and check out Twitter and Facebook because it's really difficult to explain. Basically, you had to guess the team, the manager and what game it was. Now, Wally, can you tell me the team? Uh... <laughs> can you look up the team? I am looking up the team as we speak. This is teamless, guys. This is this is really slick for any of the <laughs> any of the watchers. Yeah, I did have it earlier, but my phone was running out of battery, so I changed you position. Know it. So uh, I don't even know the question. <laughs> <laughs> so I start with the manager first. No, just give me the team. Right. So goalkeeper was Waterus. Right back was Hutton. The centre backs were Julian Rodriguez and Kiriakos. The left back was Stephen Smith. Right mid was Buck. Centre mids were him, Danny and Ferguson. Uh, with Nemucci out left and Crusoe and Lovengrans up front. Tommy, who was the manager? So I, I won't lie, guys. I, I, yeah, I missed some of that there. <laughs> the sound dropped out. William, can you just run through that team again for me, please? Uh, Waterhouse and goals. Uh, right back was Hutton. Uh, the centre backs were Rodriguez and uh, Kiriakos. The left back was Smith. Oh, <laughs> he didn't even know the question. He's <laughs> just going so well. Right, Scott, please help me. What game was it? Uh, Villarreal. 2005. Oh, close. Do you, know oh. Do you know something, right? A year out. I asked people on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook to email me, right? Email me the answer. And Philip Miller, Robert Brown, Neil Prescott and Derek Johnston. Uh, not the Derek Johnston. They all, got, <laughs> they all got it right. The rest of the people who listen to this, I didn't ask for the answer on Twitter or on Facebook. I asked for it to be emailed to Martin at this is Ibrook. So, and also Neil Prescott sent me a wee bonus. We were the first Scottish side to qualify and play in the knockout stages of the Champions League. Yep. Correct. After two draws against um, Bratislava, who had yep. beaten, I think, Celtic the year before. Yep. Remember that muddy pitch in the away game where it was an open goal and the Bratislava player hit it and it stuck in the mud? So it was McLeish that was a manager then? Yeah. Right, so I get full full marks as far as I'm concerned. I have won this competition. No, well, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you guys. All three years have totally degraded the competition. <laughs> and I'm just double-checking to see if anybody else has emailed in and they haven't. So that was Derek Johnston, Neil Prescott, Robert Brown and Philip Miller were the ones who emailed. Well done, guys. Well done. They get, well, they get the shout-outs. The rest of you who left the teams on social media, get a grab. You know, read the question. Um, but gentlemen, that, that, will do is, that will do is for this week because I think we might have run a wee bit over time. 
um, and I start what really illuminating. So I'm going to end the podcast there. <laughs> Scott, Wally, Tommy, thank you very much. Thanks, Martin. Cheers, guys. Well done. Pleasure, gents, and great to have you back in the hot seat, Martin. <laughs> thanks, guys. That was enjoyable. And thanks to everybody for listening, and we'll speak to you next week.